Once Upon a Time is right now here at Fable City Radio with your host, Martha Whitehouse. In this week's episode, you'll hear my version of the classic fairy tale Rumpelstiltskin by the Brothers Grimm. In German, the name Rumpelstiltskin means Little Rattlestilt. Somehow, I don't think that the name Little Rattlestilt would have worked very well in the story. <laughs> Luckily for us, the Grimm brothers didn't think so either. The name Rumpelstiltskin is derived from the word Rumpelgeist which was a term used to describe a noisy spirit that made rattling noises by clattering and moving household objects. In essence, a poltergeist. After the reading, we'll discuss the story and see what insights we can gain from this popular tale, written down in a collection of the Grimm Brothers stories and published around the year 1812. Once upon a time, there was a farmer who loved to brag. He bragged about the size of the cabbages he grew, telling anyone who would listen that some of them were as big as wagon wheels. He bragged about how much money he made at the market when he sold his giant cabbages. He would brag that his plow horse, a very old nag indeed, was the fastest steed in the kingdom. Most of all, he liked to brag about his beautiful daughter. His daughter was beautiful and clever, don't get me wrong, but the farmer bragged that she was so beautiful that any rose she walked past would hang its head out of shame and jealousy. One day, the bragging farmer got a message from the castle telling him to pay taxes on his farming profits. The poor farmer didn't really make a profit from his farming, but his bragging stories had finally reached the ears of the king's tax collector, who wanted a share of the farmer's money to give to the kingdom. So the farmer made up his mind to visit the castle, determined to tell the tax collector that he actually had no money with which to pay taxes. When the farmer arrived at the castle, there were lots of other people seeking an audience with the king or with his tax collector, hoping to beg for financial help or other favors. While the farmer was waiting for his turn to speak, he couldn't stop himself from talking to the men standing nearest to him. He also couldn't contain his habit of bragging. This time, he told a whopper. After listening to another man saying that his daughter was an excellent seamstress and weaver of fine fabrics, the farmer wanted to brag about his own talented daughter. So he jumped into the conversation and began to tell everyone that his beautiful daughter was the greatest spinner of all time. She can even spin gold out of straw, he exclaimed. The men he spoke to were shocked and amazed, and so, unbeknownst to the boastful farmer, was the king himself, for he had overheard the story as he was on his way to his audience room. The king, with the groveling farmer bowing before him, 
demanded that the braggart present his daughter on the following day and order her to spin gold from straw for him. The king wanted one entire room of straw transformed into gold thread. I will give your daughter one night to spin me gold from straw. If she does not succeed, I will have her and you beheaded. The king's bellowing was terrifying to the farmer, and it was with heavy heart that he returned to his farm to tell his daughter what had happened at the castle. Oh, father, you shouldn't have told the king that I could turn straw into gold. Whatever shall I do? I don't know, my daughter, but perhaps the king will spare us? The next day, the dejected pair traveled back to the castle. The king ordered the farmer held in a cell until the next morning. And after his soldiers had dragged the farmer away, the king led the daughter to a room high up in the castle tower. Inside, there was a large pile of straw, a large barrel of bobbins, and a single spinning wheel. Turn all of this straw to gold by tomorrow morning, and you and your father will be spared. Otherwise, it's off to the executioner with both of you. The king left the room and locked the door behind him. Oh no, what am I to do, cried the farmer's daughter. I can't even spin regular thread from silk and wool very well. How can I turn straw into gold? She wept bitterly at her fate and got down on her knees to pray for help. As she cried, her tears fell like the rain and ran into cracks in the floor in a great flood. Far beneath the tower room, deep under the castle, the cascade of tears dropped upon the head of a strange little man who lived there. He smelled an opportunity and followed the path of tears back to the despairing girl. Why are you crying, my child? croaked the little man. The farmer's daughter looked up from her tears to find the strangest looking man she had ever seen. He looked like an ugly little doll dressed in colorful rags and he hopped gingerly from one foot to the other, rubbing his hands together in anticipation. Oh, sir, the king says that I must spin all of the straw in this room into gold by tomorrow morning or my father and I will be put to death. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to spin straw into gold. The little man scratched his chin. Well, it just so happens that I have many talents. One of those talents is spinning straw into gold. What do you think of that? He grinned mischievously at her. Really, said the farmer's daughter, that's wonderful. So would you please help me, sir? My father and I would be in your debt. You most certainly would, said the little man, and I know just how you can repay me. If I spin all of this straw into gold for you, you must promise to give me the child that you and the king will have together. The farmer's daughter thought for a moment. I don't think the king would want to marry me, she said. I'm just a poor farmer's daughter. Oh, that's all right, said the little man. It's just in case. And since it's unlikely, 
You won't mind making the promise, will you? I promise, said the girl impulsively. She was very desperate, and she didn't really see how she would ever have to keep such a promise in the very unlikely event that the king would want to marry a poor farmer's daughter. Very well, said the little man, and he went straight to the spinning wheel and began feeding straw into it. Soon the farmer's daughter was amazed to see the straw turning into thick gold thread wrapped around the bobbin. The little man filled bobbin after bobbin with gold thread, working all night until the job was done, and there wasn't a single scrap of straw left in the room. He rose from the wheel and turned to leave the room the same way he had come in. Don't forget your promise, young lady. I will hold you to it someday. Thank you, sir, cried the girl. She watched as the little man turned into a swirl of twinkling lights and disappeared down one of the floor vents. Shortly after the sun rose, the king made his way back to the locked chamber and strode into it, followed by two solemn guards. What? he yelled in amazement as he saw bobbin upon bobbin filled with gold piled up next to the wheel. You did it! How wonderful, my dear. The king looked at the farmer's daughter with renewed interest, and he finally noticed how beautiful she was. Your life and your father's life will be spared. I will release him immediately, but I'm hoping that you will honor my castle with your loveliness a little while longer. I would like to give a ball in your honor tonight. I will have my best seamstress make you a beautiful dress, and she will sew it with some of this marvelous thread you have created. The king took her hand, and led her out of the locked cell. He instructed his servants to take her to one of the castle's most beautiful guest suites, instructing them to grant the young woman her every wish. The farmer's daughter stayed in the castle that night, and the next night, and the next. In fact, the king spent every moment he could spare with her, becoming more and more enchanted by her beauty and wit with each passing day. Finally, a month had flown by. The young woman had forgotten all about her fear in the locked room, the king's threats, and even the strange little man who helped her out of her dilemma. She was in love and could only think of the handsome king. Finally, one night after their dinner, the king ordered all of his courtiers away, tenderly took her hand, and asked her to marry him and become his queen. Delirious with joy, she accepted. Just for a moment, she felt a slight twinge of worry, thinking about her promise to the little man, but she quickly dismissed it and focused only upon her own happiness. The couple made plans for their wedding day, and the entire kingdom rejoiced. After the wedding, they settled down to their new lives as a happily married couple. They lived happily for many years. Their only disappointment was that for 10 years they longed for a child but couldn't have one. The king was growing old and he worried that he might never have an heir. He began to grow sick with despair. Then in the 11th year, the queen told the king she would soon bear a child. This was very happy news, but life, which can sometimes be equal parts sweet and bitter at the same time, dealt a blow to the queen when she was heavy with child. Her beloved king passed away. He would never live to lay eyes on his heir. Luckily, over the years, the simple farmer's daughter had grown into her role as a wise queen, and both she and the new princess were beloved by their subjects. 
Less than a month after the birth of the princess, the queen, sleeping in her chamber, was startled awake and found the little ugly man from her gold spinning days staring right at her. It is time for you to keep your promise, he said. I've come for my child. The queen began crying. You cannot take my baby, please, I beg of you, just give me a chance. And why should I do that? You got your gold, you got your king and his kingdom. Now I need my reward. The queen thought hard. In her desperation, she tried to make a bargain. I will give you all my riches if you will just let me keep my daughter, she began to cry. What need have I for riches? I can make those for myself, just as I turned your straw to gold. But I shall die if I lose my baby. Isn't there something I can do? I am feeling particularly generous today, my lady. I will give you three days, and three days only, to guess my name. If you can tell me my own true name, you may keep your child. The queen thanked him graciously. Don't thank me yet, said the little man. You will most likely never guess it, as it is a very unusual name, and no man has ever called me by it. But it will amuse me to watch you try. So tomorrow night, I will return, and you can start your guessing. With that, the man disappeared in his twinkle of lights, and the queen set her mind to recalling every unusual name she had ever heard. She thought of names like Ambrose and Alphonse and Pepe and Philippe, but her experience of the world was limited. So she called her most faithful servants and told them to go to the surrounding villages and ask people for the most unusual names they had ever heard. Write them down and bring them to me as quickly as you can, the queen told them. This is the only way to save our princess from a grave menace. The distraught servants fanned out across the countryside collecting names. After that first day, they brought back hundreds of names, and that night the queen tried each of them when the little man arrived. Are you Alphonse or Lucius or Alexander or Ambrose, she asked. The little man laughed. You are not even close, but I am much closer to having my own daughter to keep me company. Do you have any more guesses? The queen took out the long list of names and read each one. Finally, the little man grew weary of the guessing. That's enough, he exclaimed. You have lost one night to bad guessing. Let us see if you can do better tomorrow night. He disappeared once more into his swirl of lights. The second night, the queen once again guessed names without success. You have one night left, said the little man. I'm looking forward to taking that baby. Maybe I won't raise her after all. I am, after all, my own best friend. She might make a tasty meal, though. The queen recoiled in horror and wept bitterly. Her servants heard her lamentations and rushed to her side. We have failed you, your highness. We have not found the right name. We still have one day left, said the queen. You must go further than you have ever gone and don't miss the people living isolated in the countryside. You must ask everyone for unusual names. Please return here with your list by seven in the evening. Once again, all of the servants went out to gather names. They returned on time and each one placed a piece of parchment bearing names into the hands of their queen. All that is except one young man whose gaze was cast downward. 
Where are your names? asked the queen. I have none, said the servant. I am so sorry, your highness. I got lost out in the countryside for hours, and then I got distracted. Distracted? Distracted by what? Do you not want to help save my daughter? Yes, my queen. Oh, yes, I do. I am so sorry. But I heard a strange voice singing behind some bushes, and when I looked, I saw a strange, ugly little man dancing around a fire, and he was jumping straight in and out of the flames while he was singing, but he didn't catch on fire. I stopped to watch, and I heard him singing. He sang, Tonight is the night, she won't get it right. It's such a sin, I'll soon own her kin, cause she'll never guess I'm Rumpelstiltskin. He just went on and on, singing the same thing over and over. Please forgive me, your highness. I didn't get you any names. Oh no, said the queen. You are wrong. You have brought me the most important name of all. I think you may have saved the princess. And if that is true, I will reward you handsomely. The queen sent all of her servants away and returned to tending her baby. When the moon rose high in the sky, she settled herself in her rocking chair to wait for the little man. As a dark cloud covered the bright moon, the now familiar swirl of lights heralded the arrival of the villain who wanted her child. The queen couldn't help feeling a cold shiver run down her spine. Courage, she whispered to herself. I'm here for the baby, the little imp cackled. But go ahead and complete your bad guessing. The queen decided to string him along a little. Is your name Bronstein? She asked innocently. No, no, you're way off. You'll never guess it. He rubbed his hands gleefully. I can almost taste that baby now. Is your name Hamelmar? The queen asked innocently. Just give up, said the little man. It's hopeless. You are a terrible guesser. You can have another child later. Now give me that baby, he demanded. One last guess, said the queen. She rose from her chair and pointed at him with a gleam in her eyes. Is your name perhaps Rumpelstiltskin? Rumpelstiltskin shrieked. No, it's not possible. No, 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 no. On the last no, his body began spinning and shimmering and writhing in the air as his feet rose from the floor. The queen watched amazed, and just as it seemed that the imp could spin no faster, there was a loud pop, and Rumpelstiltskin disappeared, never to be seen again. The queen called to her faithful servants to tell them that the danger to the princess had passed, and the entire kingdom celebrated. The kind queen, the sweet little princess, and everyone else in the kingdom lived happily ever after. The end. For me, the most important lesson in Rumpelstiltskin lies in the idea that naming a problem is often the first step towards solving it. When you can name a problem, you can start to fix it. The queen in our story was powerless against her tormentor, until, that is, she could face him and say his name out loud. Sometimes, even when there's absolutely nothing physically that we can do to alter a bad situation, 
The fact that we know the problem's name can serve as a bomb to our emotions. I'll give you a, a personal example. Two years ago, I was hospitalized with a mysterious ailment that almost killed me. I was unconscious for almost three weeks. And when I regained consciousness, I was in a hospital with no idea how I got there. Within a day of waking up, a sharp pain started in my big toe. It was a stabbing pain that became worse and worse until finally I was crying and even screaming in pain. It was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. As I had just awoken from a coma in the intensive care department of a bustling hospital, the staff and doctors there dismissed my distress because they assumed I was suffering from some sort of delirium, which is very common in people who are in intensive care departments for long periods of time. Still, the pain did not abate. What both I and my doctors didn't know was that inside my toe, even though it looked normal on the outside, an infection was raging. When I got out of the hospital, the pain dialed itself up another 10 notches. I was becoming hysterical. I couldn't sleep or eat or even think straight. I felt like I would rather be dead than continue to be in that much pain. Then my great salvation came in the person of a podiatrist. At my first appointment, he took one look at my toe, examined it, looked at me and said, you have an infection in your toe that's so severe that it has dissolved all of the protective fat layers that cushion your toe, leaving all of the nerves in that toe exposed and damaged. It's one of the worst cases like this I've ever seen. I know you are in terrible pain, but we can treat it and it will get better. I started crying with relief. The pain was just as bad as it had been for the whole entire last month, but this doctor had named it and in that moment, that dragon of pain shrank back in fear of its own name, and it forgot to torture me for just a few moments. In that instant, I can see an end to the suffering, simply because the right doctor had given it a name and pronounced it something that could be fixed. Organizations like Alcoholics Anonymous and many other drug and gambling addiction self-help groups also use the same principle. Having participants name the problem and own it as a part of themselves is the first step they must take to make progress with their addictions. Sometimes the problem is looking you right in your face or sleeping in your bed with you. It could be as familiar to you as, as like your favorite pair of jeans. But whatever it is, until you see it for its true self, until you scream its name into its face, you'll never get rid of it. Take care of yourselves, dear listeners. Until the next time we meet in Fable City Radio.